Thank you for joining the Hope Hotline. Today is Wednesday. It's very unusual for me to name a day that it is, but today I know what day it is. And the reason I know what today is, is because I know what day that this is going to be played. We record all these, and I just so happen to know that this is going to be played on Wednesday. Correct, Tracy? Hot dog. Okay, so it is Easter week. Very exciting week. Um, and, um, and some of you guys might not be on social media, so you might not know this. But uh, this week we have two videos um, that Tracy and I created last year for Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday that we have ready and available for you to watch on Black Robe. I go into a little bit more detail about them um, in, on Friday, um, what to watch, but check them out. It's on blackrobetv.com. And uh, if you were with us last year, then you'll know these uh, two videos. If you weren't, you're going to want to check them out because you think you know, but you don't know what you don't know about Palm Sunday and Easter. And they're very, very good. I'm not just saying that because we did them, but I am saying it because we took a lot of information from some great resources and um, made it so that you could understand them and have a, a deeper um, or have a more in-depth um, understanding of what these two um, big Sundays are all about, okay? Oh, yeah, and we did get good feedback. You were right about that. We got excellent feedback uh, last year um, when they were played. A lot of great feedback. So, yeah, people went back and rewatched it just on the service. But this now, now you don't have to go back to the service. She has them. So, what you're going to do is you're going to go to uh, blackrobetv.com. Uh, you're going to go to cha the channels, fa Foundation Church, and then they'll be one of the first ones that you see. Plus, if you were here for last year, you saw a video for He is Worthy. Um, it's a music one, and so you'll be able to watch and listen to that, too, because people love that. So it's a good time, good time. And then you can, can't really share them because you can't share that, but you can share the link. Yeah, but you can't really, like, like on YouTube, you can just, oh, that's a link, too, right? Can you hit a share button on Black Robe TV? Oh, you copy the link. Because that's one of the... See, I hate YouTube, but YouTube has some really good things that they've done. Yeah, is that... Oh, but with, when I'm not in the app, I can still hit it. Oh, it saves the link. Okay, but Black Robe needs to... Black Robe, Aaron, if you're watching, you need to step it up, baby. Get, get a move on on that. So, um, but check them out. They're really good. Let us know if you watched them. Let us know if you liked them. But pretty good stuff. So, all right. So we're going to go to our first question. And uh, this one's pretty interesting. It says, do dreams mean anything? Sometimes when I'm around certain people, I have nightmares. I'm beginning to think it's because of the bad spirits that carry, that um, bad spirits they carry around. I am Cambodian, and my family are either Buddhist or atheist. I am the only one saved. Man, you got a ripe little harvest going on right there for yourself. you got a lot of people that can win to the Lord. It's not always easy, and it doesn't happen overnight, but that's uh, not that it's awesome that they're not saved, but it's awesome that you have some opportunity. 
When my family visits, I have awful nightmares. These are the same nightmares I have living close to them in Massachusetts. I have dreams of demonic people or snakes. I will wake up, pray, and ask my husband to pray over me, and then it goes away until I see my family again. I do pray for my family every day and have learned from Hope and Pastor Tom to pray for the Holy Spirit to tug on them to open their hearts, but in the past, I'd pray for them to be saved every day for years. Can you explain dreams and nightmares? And is there anything in the Bible that reference, reference nightmares? So what I'm going to do is we're not going to go probably the direction that you think that I'm going to go in as far as let's dissect bad dreams. Let's, like, let's see if bad dreams mean anything. I mean, dreams do mean things because, I mean, if you look in the Old Testament, Joseph was able to... Um, understand dreams and then he was able to explain them and what they mean some dreams do mean things but in this case let's not focus on um what are you um let's not focus on what the bad dreams means old testament is old testament new testament is new testament they're you know you're a new creation in christ so um the things that the enemy uh, was potentially able to do to you previously, um, he can't do to you now because of the Holy Spirit, because of being saved, things like that. You can wage war against um, this prince of, the prince, the prince of prince, um, the spirit of principality. You can wage war against that um, yourself. And that's what we're told to do. But let's focus on um, let's focus on what the word says and what we have the power um, that we have the power of uh, over evil spirits. So Luke ten nineteen says, "I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you." If I were you, I would take Luke ten nineteen and I would plaster that. In your living room, I mean, excuse me, in your bedroom, I would plaster that in your bathroom, somewhere that, or wherever you're at, if you have a, a little home office or your desk, maybe put it in multiple locations. I would make sure that I have that scripture ready and available for me to speak over myself, speak over my family, um, so that you remember that all these things that you're concerned about, they're nothing. They, and they really are. They're nothing. They have nothing. Uh, they have no authority and they have uh, nothing to do with you if you don't allow it. So let's look at what you said is um, that every time you and your husband prayed, you saw the results of that prayer in a positive way. Um, so pretty much what you did is what the word says to do. And uh, you used the word against them, just like when Jesus was tempted by the devil. What did um, you know? What did what did uh, Jesus do after the forty days of fasting? Um, he and the devil took him up to the high temple mount and um, said, "I'll give you all these things if you worship me." And every single time Satan tried to tempt him with something. Jesus replied to him with scripture. Now, Satan knows the scripture too. That's why it's super important for you to know it better. But uh, he will twist it so that it um, he will twist it so that it works on his behalf. 
but you knowing it and knowing it better, he got he has no rights. So, um, this is what I would do if I was you. If I was you, I would rebuke the devourer before your family count come every single time. I would just speak over my home, um, maybe even go into each and every room, um, but not necessarily. I would just. If you pray in the spirit, this is the best thing that I could tell you to do. If you have the gift of tongues, I would pray in tongues and speak in the spirit because um, the Holy Spirit will speak far better than you could ever do for yourself um, in this situation. Um, so before they come, I would speak the word over your home and I would pray over your home. And then blessings over your home blessing and rebuke curses and things like that they probably aren't doing any curses over you they couldn't do them anyway but speak over your home Uh, i would uh when the family comes into town i would have worship music playing and that means even if it's very very low so they don't even know that it's playing have so the tone is set there's peace in the house I, i i actually will do some of this myself um not when I have certain family members um, in, but if I just want a tone to be set, there are certain things that I'll do. Um, certain uh, uh, church, um, I'll have, you know, I'll put the, the, I don't know, TBN, CTN, uh, Daystar, I'll put one of them on um, and just have scripture being played depending on what the, the, um, channel is playing because some of it's crap some of these shows that they have out right now they're just crap so it depends on i can tell you all the time when i leave my house for my dog this is not a joke for my dog when i leave my house um i put on uh, pastor rodney i put on uh the stand because we usually tend to go out um about the same time and so you know you can tivo everything but i'll put the stand on for my dog just to just to be so he's it's peaceful for him and whatever um but i would definitely put some worship music on and here's the other thing i would tell you to do i would while you're sleeping since you have dreams i would play worship music while you sleep or i would have scripture being played over you like you can go to uh youtube and they have like 12 hours worth of scripture that somebody uh, speaks over you or speaks and says and it's in the soft monotone voice it's uh, you got to find one that's not real annoying because i find most of them like have you ever listened to those tracy golly they're so some of them are really annoying but pastor rodney's is awesome don't you think but his is only like an an hour his isn't that long an hour and a half maybe um but I would find, but I, I do do, even if it's annoying, I'll be honest with you. Um, when I'm standing on certain things, specifically, I will do this. Like if I feel like, um, I don't get sick, but if I feel like something's trying to come on me or whatever, I start praying those healing scriptures over me while I sleep. I put my earbuds in or I'll put it under my, the phone underneath my pillow. I'll plug it in so it never loses its charge. And YouTube will play for you the whole entire time. But I, I do that all the time. I put Kenneth Hagen on. Like, he's my jam. I love that. I love it. And you can get him a whole bunch, but I'll listen to him while I'm sleeping. 
Um, another good one is Charles Capps. My cousin's wife just texted me um, this morning. She just found out about the podcast. She was so sweet. She sent me the sweetest text. But she just told me about someone new because she's a big Andrew Womack girl, and she has seen major miracles happen in her life with her health, like mighty things. Um, and uh, she just told me about this new, so I'm going to listen to him. She's like, he's phenomenal. She said he was even better than Andrew Womack, which that's saying something because she loves that guy, and I do too. But again, I like I, I, Kenneth Hagen, we're buddies. We're like that. I love, he's my jam. I love that man. So, uh, Charles Caps is another phenomenal one. So, if you, if you ever are having health or if you ever want to become stronger in your walk with God, uh, a lot of people love, um, oh, but I don't for some reason. Not, not that I don't like him, but T.L. Osborne. I like him. I do. And he's got some great things to say. But how he talks really rubs me wrong. Like, do, have you ever heard him talk? Turn it on right now so you can tell. And you won't hear her, but T.L. Osborne, really good. I, I mean, I do. I have watched him. I do enjoy his teachings. But he talks so mechanical that after a while, I'm like, I can't do it anymore. You hear how he's mechanical? Da 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 like that, right? That's rough. That's rough. But mighty man of God. Great word. Has a great word to share. Um, so I would absolutely definitely have the word being spoken over you while you're sleeping. You know, the, um, it, it says uh, that demons flee at the name of Jesus. So... I would just have, so, but, but here's the thing. The word is Jesus. So just have that word played over you all the time. Dreams, I mean, I would, again, I wouldn't focus on the dreams. Focus, focus on him. You know, focus on the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Really, dreams mean nothing because he's the answer. So focus on the answer. Uh, get in the word and... Um, maybe you are waiting for the door to be open for you to witness to your family and so that you can win them to the Lord. In the meantime, just saturate yourself with prayer, Bible, Bible, um, and, and worship. And when they come, I'm, I'm telling you, even if you have it played in the home and they don't even know it, because you can like have music playing and they won't even hear it. But hey, listen, the evil spirits, they do. They don't want any parts of it. So that's what I would do. If I was you, surround myself all the time with a word. But I do a lot, a lot throughout the day right now. That is my life. My life, for the most part, is, is prayer, Bible study, and, and worship. I do a lot of that. So... You might be doing that already. Just don't stop it when they get there. Keep it up if that's the case. Next question. This this next question is a Tracy question. So I'm going to ask her it. Come on in, Heather. You're stealing my keys. All right. I was going to make you answer a question. Okay, so, but she's gone. Now she's back. No, I was just messing with you. 
Um, so, since Tracy's asking me this question, I will answer this question, but I'm going to ask her this question too. Every now and then, Tracy throws a little zinger into me because she wants to know what I would say about it. Would you break a law to save a loved one? So what I would say to that is, listen, if, if the law is speeding, I'll, I already do that. So I'll break that law. I mean, to save a loved one, I already do it. I speed every day. Should I not? No, I probably shouldn't. But Lord knows. Like, how? If you're supposed to go 35, I always go five over. I cannot imagine going 35. I can't. It's too hard. And really, there's a variable with the law. The law says 10 over, you don't get a ticket. Anything 10 or less. Do I only go, do I never go 10 over? Do I do 10 or more? Is that what you're asking me? I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. That's Tom's favorite. We're going to play that for you. I, I plead the fifth. <laughs> um, no, but I can tell you that I plead the fifth. Because that's seriously one of Tom's favorite. Oh, like he puts that on in the house with just us. This is his favorite. But okay, yeah, I do do more than 10. But, the, but I'm going to tell you why. There's a caveat to this question. I do do 10 plus 10, but listen, it's usually when the, when I have to go up to the river. The river is a killer. First of all, the drive. So you go there and you give yourself, it's only like an hour and 10 minutes away without traffic. But you can't leave an hour and 10 minutes because there's inevitably always traffic. So you leave at least an hour and a half early, at least. It has literally taken us three hours to get there before. Three hours. Now you gotta love some church. And that's a good church. But you gotta love some church to sit in traffic for three hours, which we've done it more than once. So, When you're going to the river, this is the problem. Stop and go, stop and go, stop and go. And then when you get a break to make up some time, you're hitting that gas pedal as fast as your you gum can. Because you don't know when you're hitting the next stop and start, stop and start, stop and start. So yeah, I do. I go. But here's the thing. My girlfriend, um, Pastor Clover, she lives in Fort Myers. She has the river church to Fort Myers the other night. She told me she got home in an hour and a half from Tampa. I said, gum girl, what are you going, 90 plus? And she said, absolutely. <laughs> I love her. She's my girl. Absolutely. So, listen, that's a trip. It's worth it. But So, okay, if it's speeding, I'm going to say one heck of a yaw. I already do that. Um, if you're asking me to kill somebody for somebody to save them, well, it depends on the relative. It depends on how much I love that relative. 
Because I might say, take them out. I'm fine with it. Can, how much can I pay you to take them out? But, oh, you, dig- you said the same loved one. Okay. So I do love them. Um, let's see. Yeah, probably I would break a law, truthfully. I, I would break a law 100% to, to save a loved one. Depending on what that law is and depending on, like if it's self-defense, oh, 100%, all day long. Um, but even if it's not self-defense, I might. Mm-hmm. I'd be lying if I said otherwise. It just depends on what it is. Like, I just don't know. Like, but it's not a no. It's not a no. <laughs> no. But I would never lie. Truth is truth. I would never lie. Ever. If I break the law, I would own up to it. If I murdered somebody and I had to confess it, I would say it. Um, I would never lie about it. I would just do it. And then, then suffer the consequences later if there were any. Because if, if it's self-defense, there should be no consequence because you're just doing what's right. In the eyes of the law, although the law says that you're breaking it to kill somebody. But pretty much, what about you? I'm going to, since she doesn't have this right here, I'll answer. What? You know the term ride or die? Ride or die. I've heard that term many times. So that's you? Ride or die? Oh, so heck yeah, you're breaking the law. Every time. Your brothers will love you for that. It depends. I don't know which one. Is Doug, I know you love. You love Doug, 100%. DJ's the baby. So maybe, uh, hey, listen, I will tell you this. I know this for a fact. You love their wives way more than you love them. Way more. So they're definitive, yes. 100%. Your mama, always. But, okay, I'm going to tell you this. This is, this is, I love, listen. I love my husband. No one's hotter than my husband. He's like, I can honestly say in my whole entire married life, and my, she knows what I'm about to say, in my whole entire married life, I have never, ever, ever, like, wanted to be married to somebody else, wanted to date somebody else. I like, ne- the thought of kissing somebody else makes me want to vomit. Like, ugh. I'm just so grossed out. Like, on my whole entire, I could put, be put on a lie detector right now, and I would pass that flying colors. I have loved, loved and had special relationships with guys, other men. Like Lee Benz. I love Lee Benz. Lee's my, like, he's, but he's like a brother. Um, there's other guys that I just absolutely love and adore, but in no way, shape, or form when to have a relationship with them more than just the friendship, right? But, and I could put a, I could be put on a lie detector test for that. But I'm going to just tell you, Tracy's dad, he's pretty fine. He's a good-looking man. He is! Tracy! I first, when I first saw him, he came to church. I think I saw him in the podcast room at the old building. I went, dang, man looks good. Oh, she'll pull a picture up for you. He's cute. Bopski did a really good job. 
But hey, Bob, she looked real. Oh, she looks good now. But I'm just saying, like, she's a cutie. They married. They married equal. Yeah, if you look at, you should pull a picture of them when they were younger, so you can see it. Because they look good right now, though. They do. But they both look very good right now. But, but her dad, from a woman's perspective, Bobski did good. And Bobski's not really my Bobski because I can't be your granddaughter. Kim, Kim rocked the house, done good. <laughs> Tracy's laughing. She knows it's true. She knows it's true. But so it's it's determined now if you are a loved one of me or Tracy, and you need us to break the law to save you, we're willing to do it, as long as we love you. If we don't, you're on your own. I might pay somebody to take you out. <laughs> if, if somebody's about to take you out, I might watch. I might be fine with it. It all depends. I am pretty heartless, they say. You know what, though? I will say this. In all seriousness, I don't think there's anybody in my life, there's not one person in my life, that that I hate or can't stand. Even like people who like I feel like there's been things that have been between us to cause like a situation where we go like that or whatever. And no matter how valid I feel about my side or how valid they feel about their side, because everybody's, you know, there's two sides and there's somewhere in between that's correct. One part plays more than the other, whatever. But I will say, there is not one person on this earth that I hate that I wouldn't even say that I wouldn't want to reconcile with. Or maybe not even reconcile because I don't really feel like there's there. If I saw them, I would probably hug and love on them. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me a bit. Even the people that think right now that might be watching that think, no, no, it, it would not me. Uh, you're lying because I'm like, no, seriously. There's not one person. I, I take comfort in that. You know, I ask God, I evaluate myself on that all the time. Even if somebody comes into my mind, I'm like, well, what about that person? Am I really being honest about that person? And I'm like, yeah. Because for me, I'll be honest with you, I don't want anything to get in the way of my anointing or what God has for me. I can't hang on to that stuff. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And, and the thing is, is I, I choose not to allow somebody to rent space in my mind. I'm not doing that. There's so much freedom in that. And the thing is, is they don't care. They're not thinking about you anyway. <laughs> so I'm like, why am, I, why am I doing it to myself? You know, they don't care. So I, I say I'll, I'll help kill you. But in truth, I, I wouldn't do that. I mean, even though I'm soulless, or so they say, I'm not that soulless. I would never do that. What are you laughing at over there? She just said I'm too nice. Most would beg to differ on that. I'm a nice person but I'm a very I'm not that nice to a certain extent I would oh absolutely I give them a hug there's not one person that if they walked into this room and said I you wouldn't hug me I'd be like heck to the no I would absolutely hug them even if they thought I hated them they're just I think it's not really nice I think it's more trying to be Christ-like I'm just trying to be Christ-like I'm trying to st- I'm trying to stay in that narrow path but I'm not that nice I truthfully am not I just 
I choose to take the high road and honor and love and because loving is not liking it's not so it's two very very different things but um but that's that all right next question oh my gosh 29 minutes holy macanolis okay people always say god won't give us more than we can handle now this question is I do absolutely know who wrote this question because their name was on there somehow. I love this person that wrote this question. I mean, I love this person. So um, people always say God won't give us more than we can handle in reference to 1 Corinthians 10.13. Now, I don't think I can go back and forth with this question. The person that asked this question will understand it. And I'm going to try and go slow enough so that everybody else understands what their question is but she, she puts in some scriptures in here so i'm going to reference the scriptures but it might be a little confusing just so you know but i can't go back and forth with it because it will i think it'll make it more confusing but it says my understanding is this is for temptation so first corinthians ten thirteen is referencing temptation so she's correct if god won't give us more than we can handle why does scripture say to bear one another's burdens in Galatians 6.2, which we're going to find out burdens isn't what people think burdens is. So keep that in, your, in the forefront of your mind. Then 1 Peter 5.7 states, cast all our cares or anxiety. Okay, so the burdens, casting your cares, anxiety. And it goes on to say on him, right? Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your burdens. Okay. I'm going to go back to burdens from Galatians, casting your cares and anxiety from uh, 1 Peter, and then burdens of Psalm 55, 22. Again, so if you've got a pencil and pen and you care enough about it, write those down. Because 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says talks about temptation Galatians talks about burdens first peter 5 7 talks about casting your cares and your anxiety and 55 uh, psalm 55 22 talks about burdens and then it goes on to say i usually say god will give us all the grace you need for in every situation which is in second corinthians 12 9 which she's accurate in that in that scripture when she says it to people but it's a little bit more than that. And I'm glad this question was asked. But what is handling it when you see Christians suffering through illness and abuse? So what we're going to find out is burden in the scripture is not the same as illness and abuse. So I hope by me paraphrasing this question the way that I just did, when we start reading it, you'll understand the transitions that we will be taking from scripture to scripture. Okay? First Corinthians 10:13 says, "No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. So no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Now remember, Scripture talks about God does not tempt us. So he, when he's saying that uh, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, who tempts then? Satan does the tempting. He allows, because Satan is, Satan is the one that roams this earth right now seeking whom he may devour. Okay? 
He's, a, he's the prince and the power of this world right now. He's been given that for a period of time. God has allowed it. So that's why it says, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So he's not tempting you. You need to understand that. And the scriptures, there are scriptures that are clear. He's not the one tempting you. He is allowing you to be tempted, just like he allows us to make choices. We are not forced to come to him and be redeemed. He allows us to serve the world or serve him, okay? If you are tempted, it is your choice whether you take the temptation, okay? So you can escape the temptation or you can fall prey to the temptation. I hope that makes sense. What we're going to do is look at Galatians 6, 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So what does this, this mean? Now I am going to read to you what it means because I am going to break down two explanations of this scripture, okay? The study Bible says carrying each other's burdens is to, it means the emphasis on moral burdens or weaknesses, but also their erroneous responsibilities. So, not erroneous, unerroneous. Onerous, uh, oh, onerous responsibilities. O n e r o u s. That's not erroneous. Um, the so really burden in this scripture, which is bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So when you're bearing someone's burdens, it's their moral burden or a weakness of theirs. Okay. Now, Perry Stone's study Bible says this, but a little bit more. It says um, that when you break it down, it says burden refers to verse 1 of the same chapter and the moral burden and spiritual struggles a fellow believer is encountering. So it's a moral or spiritual struggle. That's what bearing one another's burdens is. A lot of times people think that when you're bearing another person's burdens, that you're bearing, uh, burdening like, um, uh, like if they have a family situation um, that maybe their kid has gone off half cocked, um, is living in, in you know a drug addicted state, and that. Um, person's just so burdened by this and you're going to help take on that burden of that person that's your friend or whatever no that's not what it's talking about it's talking about moral or spiritual struggles okay which i guess being drug addicted to some extent is a moral ethical thing but um it's it's specifically um not things like abuse or illness, which is what was um, the very last part of that question. What does uh, moral mean? It's relating to principles of right and wrong in behavior. A burden does not refer to struggles such as abuse, illness, or anything like that. It is referring to a moral or spiritual struggle that someone is going through. So abuse and illness are not considered burdens. In 
biblical in a biblical sense in that particular or in that scripture that is referred to okay if you look at first peter 5 7 it says casting all your care upon him for he cares for you if you look at philippians 4 6 through 7 because first peter 5 7 what it does is in the study bible it tells you to go to philippians 4 6 through 7 which will correlate the two of them together one both of them uh refer are they, are they refer First Peter 5, 7 refers to Philippians 4, 6 through 7 to help break it down. I was about to try and say, say it a different way, but it was going to be super confusing the way I was going to say it. So, so if you go to Philippians 4, 6 through 7, which 1 Peter 5, through 5, 7 says to do, so you can have a better understanding of it, this is what Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication means repetitive, Okay with thanksgiving so you do it and you you pray then you continue to repeat and pray over that specific thing and then you give thanks for it being completed even before it's done you thank him because you know we walk by uh, faith not by sight that's what hebrews says so if you're walking by faith not by sight then you know it's going to come to pass and you're going to speak and be thankful for what you know that you're believing for. Um, it says, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now let's look back at 1 Peter 5, 7. It's casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Do you see how those two go together? Be anxious for nothing. To pray to repeatedly pray and thank God for the answer. And by doing that, you're going to have peace that passes all understanding and he'll guard your heart. So to to get rid of your to get rid of your anxiety, what you need to do is follow what Philippians 4 6 through 7 says. Um you have to guard your heart. Like you have to guard your heart. And the reason you have to guard your heart is because if you do not, you will let things run amok in your mind. And uh, that's why you got to take every thought captive out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Um, so if you allow fear and anxiety and depression and all this other stuff to enter into here, it goes into here. And that's what, it's just a vicious cycle. But you can stop the cycle through prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. And then you'll have a peace that passes on understanding. And then you'll be able to guard your heart. Um, you can't be anxious. And, and that's not a burden anyway. Being anxious isn't a burden. Because it, being anxious isn't a spiritual struggle or a moral struggle. Right? Let's go to Psalms 55:22. Am I explaining this well? Do you does it, do you understand it? You do understand it though? Cuz it's kind of not a confusing question, but it's a tangled web. You've wondered that before? Really? Like casting your burdens on some is that the part that you were anxiousness shouldn't be no, cuz it's not. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's stunning. Okay, now I understand where you're coming from because I didn't understand what you meant by you didn't understand. Then that makes me good. That makes me glad. If I confuse, if, if it gets confusing, though, just tell me. Say, so go back to that because that doesn't make sense. Because this one's a little bit of a tingler. Okay, Psalm 55:22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Let's repeat that one more time. It says, Cast your burden on the Lord. He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. What a great promise. I mean, man, that is, and that's why knowing the word and speaking the word over yourself, super important, super important. Because right there, if you spoke that over yourself all the time, you would never be anxious. You would never be concerned because you know that that's truth. God's word is truth and it's a promise to you. It's whether you believe it or not. So Perry Stone breaks this scripture down phenomenally. So good. It says the Hebrew word for burden is not the usual word used for burden, which is massa. So normally if you saw the word burden in the Bible, it would be the Hebrew word massa, M-A-S-S-A, which means a weight or a load, okay, that you carry. So in this case, it is the word yehab, Y-E-H-A-B. And it means what has been given to you or what God has allowed to happen by his sovereign purpose, which coincides with the first Corinthians, first uh, Corinthians 10, 13. Okay. With the temptation and things like that. Okay. God will sustain you for everything he permits to happen to you. So anything that, that, not that he did, but has been allowed because Satan comes and he's the one that does it all. It's not God. It's Satan. So he knows that Satan's going to come after us. We will face many trials in this lifetime. But what does it say? I will deliver you from, this, from them all. Okay. Um, so he will sustain you for, through everything, uh, God will sustain you for everything he permits to happen to you. The Hebrew word for sustained literally means to measure, then to hold and contain something. It means God gives you a measure of grace to hold you up through a test. And in the New Testament, Paul had a thorn in the flesh and asked God three times to remove it. God responds that his grace is sufficient for him, meaning that grace would sustain him and see him through anything. Now, a lot of people think the thorn in the flesh is sickness, illness, and disease. It is not that at all. And if you studied out the thorn, a thorn in the flesh, you would absolutely know that it had nothing to do with sickness, illness, and disease. But what a lot of people love to do is use Paul's thorn in the flesh um, to say, well... God doesn't heal every time because if he did, he would have healed, healed Paul of his thorn in the flesh. Some people have made up that the thorn in the flesh was that he had an eye problem, uh, that the thorn in the flesh was, um, there's one other problem that they say he had, and I can't remember what it was, some other sickness. Uh, I think it was stomach issues. 
but no, that was Timothy having the stomach issue. No, I don't remember what it is, but they, they, they come up with, there's like two of them that I've heard very common. Um, so they, they, that gives them permission not to believe in healing and that God wills whether or not you're healed, healed or not. Well, it is God's will that you're healed every single time because that's what it says in the word. There's nowhere in the word that says that God doesn't heal every time. No one has ever showed it to me. No one has ever been able to prove it. Now, what a lot of people do is they use the Old Testament as their, um, like I've had somebody say, well, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were, were being put in the fire, they said, if, if God doesn't save us from this, as a thing to say that God doesn't save you. And at the time when I was talking to them, it was a very sensitive time for them. So I did not pursue it because you just, first of all, you have to know when somebody's willing to receive. And the other thing is, is um, it can get to a place where it's not maybe that they don't have the revelation to receive, which was not this case, but it was such a heated time for them that what would have happened is a relationship would have been ruined because the person's not ready to receive because it's a very tenuous, tense time for them. And all you're going to do is ruin any opportunity at any time that you might be able to witness to them and share the truth about healing. So I chose to say, okay, this is becoming very heated. We're going to get nowhere. And let's save the relationship by just respectfully like saying this we're, we're just not at the same place and that's okay um but that's old testament okay jesus bore stripes on his back so that every single time every single time we need healing in our body by his stripes we are healed is what the word says okay isaiah said it as well but you can't use old testament scriptures to prove the fact that healing is a so the sovereignty of God, which is a very bad, very bad doctrine. Um, because if you look at sovereign and what it really means is not what people have changed sovereignty into. So, um, but if you look at, let's, let's just look at, like, let me ask Tracy, have you ever heard somebody say um, something like, He's such a thorn in my flesh. You have heard that? Okay, was, was, were, were you saying that he's a sickness and disease in your body? What were you saying? Like he's a pain in my butt. Yeah. Well, that would be a people problem, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. So, and I am sure a lot of us have heard, like when we use the word scapegoat, that's a Bible term. It was used for, it is actually... They would take a goat and they would use that goat once a year. They would take the goat once a year and they would basically send it off of a cliff. And he was, he was a scapegoat for all of this. I believe it was sin that wasn't, I can't remember exactly how it was, uh, what, it's, uh, what the, the goat actually covered for the Israelite people. But he was... It, the goat was called a scapegoat, and they actually used this goat as a sacrifice. Once a year, they would take a goat. Well, we use biblical terminology still to this day. A thorn in the flesh, that person's a thorn in my flesh, still means a people problem like it did for Paul. 
So that's not just the proof that I have that it wasn't a sickness or disease. There's other scriptures that go along with it. But but that one's really easy for me to use and explain so that everybody right now can say, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Oh, that makes sense. Unless you really want to fight the matter and just be a, a person of doubt and unbelief and just never, ever, ever take a stand on healing and be weak and knowing that, I mean, God, God's called us to be so much more than what a lot of us are willing to go out on that limb and do. And if you want to be that, then so, so be it, you know, whatever. I want to be more because I know that God's called us to be so much more and we're just so complacent and so weak that nobody wants to do anything. It's way easier to sit in front of the TV or the computer and look at Instagram, Facebook, Google search, whatever, than to actually step out there and do things that might be a little risky spiritually. Um, but um so what is it the scapegoat okay so it was cast in the desert i thought it was off of a cliff but it no but it's right no 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 it wasn't i clearly remember that now so it was cast into the desert for the sins of of the community yeah in leviticus yep every year once a year correct okay yep once a year they did this so we use a lot of biblical terms, and we just don't even know them. It's like a lot of our uh, songs that people sing in church, the hymnals, not even hymnals anymore, a lot of uh, songs that these artists play, they've taken them out of Scripture. Um, but people don't know Scripture, so they don't know they're singing it. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, so let's go back. So um, God doesn't give us illness um, so that... That burdens can be removed, and um, we're not to bear uh, burdens. A burden isn't a sickness, an illness, or a disease. So we're not carrying somebody's burden of that on ourselves. That's not what that means at all. What you should do, though, is lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, is what the scripture says. So you don't carry that burden for them. You remove that burden from them. Okay, you heal them. You make them well. Uh, we stand in faith. We teach them. Uh, we teach them about healing. We disciple them on the promises of God and what they can stand on. Um, abuse. Abuse isn't really a burden of, uh, under the guise of what that terminology is. Abuse is, uh, uh, is a moral or spiritual um, situation. Um, so abuse is usually, a, if somebody's in an abusive situation, uh, it's for one of two reasons as far as I'm concerned. One is they made a very bad decision and they shouldn't have done that. So they've put themselves, they've put that burden upon themselves. Or Let's say somebody gets married, and the person they married wasn't abusive when they married them, but has um, sustained some trauma, let's say head injury or something like that. I've heard this before. People who've, who, um, gone, um, who have gone through um, car accidents or even fallen and stuff like that, um, the injury to their head has caused their 
personality to change. And so they went from being a very gentle, kind creature to somebody um, that's kind of an aggressive person. So what I would say to that is go, we go back to healing, the healing that person, um, but also not allowing yourself to be abused. That doesn't mean that you leave, if you're in a marriage, that doesn't mean that you leave them, but what that does is you don't allow yourself to be abused. And there are ways around that. Um, so and you could say, yeah, that's easy for you to say. But I would say, yeah, I know. I wouldn't do it. I, I would never, ever, if somebody was trying to hurt me, they would maybe be able to do that for a very short per- period of time. Uh, but I would start making a way that that stopped. And so um, if they're abusive, they would be in jail. And I'm not putting up with it. I'm not. So I may have to stay married to them, but and I'll pray them through it, but I'm not going to be abused. So there are ways. And you go, well, okay, so if I divorce them, uh, or if I if I get if they get put in jail, then I can't live because they're part of our income. No, God's your income. He's your provider. Do you pay tithe? Everybody like lo- like boxes themselves in because they forget or they don't understand scripture or they live by the world standards or they look at everything through the world solutions versus the biblical solutions you'll win every time if you go through the biblical process um so discipling and teaching one another super important but you don't have to bear somebody's burden you just need to disciple them teach them help them along proverbs 27 17 says ah as iron sharpens iron so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend don't bear a burden that isn't a burden but like teach them Iron sharpens iron. Teach them. Show them. Disciple them so that they can get themselves out of whatever it is, even if it's depression. You can teach somebody and disciple them out of that nonsense. You can pray them and help them pray through. But don't bear that burden for them. That's not your burden to bear. Lift each other up. Stand in the gap for your friend in faith. And remember, when it comes to temptation, God allows you to be tempted by the devil but he also says he gives you a way to escape it, okay? But, but also, lots of people, I cannot tell you how many times I've heard people say, I don't know what God is doing. I don't know. They, they have got themselves in a mess because of bad decisions. I don't know what God is doing. God, ain't, God didn't do that. You did that. And, like, it's so funny because women, uh, they'll get involved with these men they have no business being in, involved in. The men want something more from them. They're tempted to do what, that more with that guy than they should. And they'll be like, I'm so tempted. I don't know. I mean, why is God doing this to me? You're unequally yoked, first and foremost. Or if, even if you're with a guy that says he's a Christian and he's tempting you. Okay, you're unequally yoked. I mean, God does not tempt us. Okay, James 1.13 says, let no one say that he is tempted. I am, and this is quotes, I am tempted by God. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. It's not God. He doesn't tempt anyone with sin or anything evil. 
that comes straight from the devil or the decisions you've made that caused you to be in that situation. Matthew 26, 41 says, Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So your spirit man will not, but your flesh will. Because the spirit is strong, the flesh can be weak. So a lot of times people put, say they're in, in burden situations because they've made some bad decisions. Poor decision making will put you right in the place that you should not be. Um, and a lot of times that's because we don't read our Bible. We don't apply the guidelines and the boundaries that it's provided for us for our protection. Um, and it's really fun t to talk about the drama and all the nonsense that's going on in our lives because it tantalizes and, and feeds our flesh. But, um, and we want others to feel bad for us because we get attention by it. But don't bear the burden of somebody who's put themselves in a very bad situation. They need to maybe um, have some good um, guidance on how to get out of it. But if they don't want to, uh, if you give them good advice, biblical advice, and they don't want to take it, like, like uh, Jesus said to the disciples, if they do not receive you, take off your sandals, shake the dust off your feet, and move on. And that's what you need to do. If so, don't carry somebody's burden, especially if they put themselves in that position, but that's on them. Help them to, to the degree in which they want to be helped, and then call it a day. It sounds mean, but it's not meant to be mean. It's just biblical principle. So... People love attention. I can't tell you how many times in my life people have said, can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? And they will keep coming back and forth and talking to you about the same problem over and over and over again. Not take one lick of advice that you've given them. The situation will progressively get worse because they never did a daggum thing you said. But they sure do want your ear. They sure do want to talk about it with you. I don't have time for it. I don't. If you don't care enough about yourself to make wiser decisions, I just cannot be bothered. That sounds mean, but it's just the truth. If you can't care enough about yourself, how am I supposed to care more for you? It's not happening. Mm -mm, it's not. Listen, people need to look at themselves to the degree in which God looks at you. At, and You are a prized possession. The very God that I serve sent his only son, his one and only son, to die on a cross. He became poor so that I might become rich, so that healing to my body, if needed, by the stripes that he bore on his back, can be provided to me. That through the nails in his hands and his feet, I am redeemed by the blood of the lamb. If that God looks at me as being worthy of all of that, then I am one prized possession. And if you can't see yourself as that, I don't know what to tell you. You need to get in the word. You need to see who you are in Christ. And you need to start making really good decisions for yourself because you are something that no one else in this world would have done for you. 
outside of the Lord God Almighty. And you are an important, important being. But until you start looking at yourself like that, you'll never understand a word that I'm saying to you. It's just not. You have to see yourself as God sees you. And as far as he's concerned, you're worthy of it all because he gave it all. He gave it all. And then after he gave it all, Jesus did. Gave it all. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to, for on a, as a cherry on top. So you, we need to start living in that. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, but you want it, I'm just the girl to help you with that. If you have never been saved, or if you've been saved and you walked away, today's your day. This is your week. And you are one lucky person that you turned, tuned in here maybe by accident or you watch all the time and you're like, I like her. I like her advice. She's a little annoying every now and then, but overall I can tolerate her. And you're sitting there going, you know what, today I totally get what she's saying. Maybe you've never seen the value in yourself. And maybe you do now. You are a very, very valuable person. Um, and maybe in this life, no one's ever treated you like that or even never said that to you or made you feel like that. But God Almighty looks at you, sees you, and wants you. And if you're ready, I want you to say this prayer with me right now. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. I ask you to be my Lord. I ask you to be my Savior. I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask you to forgive all my sin. And from this day on, I will live for you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. If you said that prayer, please let us know. Send us something to the Hope, what is it? Hope, Ask Hope Hot, what is it? Ask Hope at hopehotline.no. Oh, I did do it right. Ask Hope at hopehotline.com. Just let us know. Oh, see, if you, I listen, listen, I wish you could see Tracy's face. She's always like, Good job. You did it. Like the sweetest cheerleading face you've ever seen in your life. Out of everyone that's on the team. Well, I was about to say this might be not true. Out of everybody on the team, Tracy and Talia are the nicest. Bar none. Um, Talia might be nicer than Tracy, but that's only because she's 16 going on 17 and she's weak. She hangs around us a little bit longer. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen to that girl? Life circumstances, man. They'll make you toughen up. Toughen up. All right. Pound some faces. Worst case scenario, you pound some faces. Got to do what you got to do. Thank you for joining in. We'll see you next week. Or no, I'll see you on Friday, actually. Um, have a great Easter week. Get all those little goodies that you need for your kids and your grandkids' baskets. Have a wonderful, wonderful time shopping for your, your Easter dress and hat. And maybe a nice pair of, you know, the men nowadays, they don't wear suits. Maybe pick up a nice pair of khaki shorts and a polo top, whatever. What is that? Am I wearing a hat? I do not ever wear a hat. You know this. Listen, when you see me in a hat, Pigs will fly. That's the way it goes. Hell might freeze over. 
I mean, I wear a baseball cap, but I ain't wearing no. Like, we have a lady at the church. She always wears a hat. God bless her. She's precious. I mean, what a pre- she's precious. And listen, she's always dressed to the nine. She's always dressed to the nine. Everything's perfect. But this girl, nah, not happening. So I will see you on Friday. Have a great week, and thank you for joining in. Bye. Real talk. Real talk.